everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this. This is our last time broadcasting from this studio. We're moving to new studios. I know. It's exciting. Very exciting, because this place is a dump. (laughs) Oh, my God. It is. That is so not the way I would have gone with that. Well, look at it. It looks like a dump. (laughs) it's falling apart. (laughs) You guys can see what a dump it is, because if you tune into Facebook Live, go to Nikki, N-Y-C-C-I, Nellis. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can see... (laughs) <laughs> what a dump this is. No. But you can also see an amazing uh, array of donuts and other foods that were brought in for the show today. And, and it- just before you like announce everybody who's in today, I think we have to give a shout out to the people from Cuisine Solutions. We were at the French Embassy last night. David and I hosted this Fabulous, fabulous event celebrating International Sous Vide Day. And there was 150 Wait, people there. Did I hear trumpets? Dun, no. dun, dun, dun. Yeah, dun, you should have backed dun, me up on that. Um, so we really had a wonderful time. It was a glorious evening celebrating all things sous vide with incredible cocktails and great food. Um, it was an incredible night. So congratulations to that team. They really worked hard to make that happen. All right. So let's get into the show to <laughs> quote it. that famous American intellectual Homer Simpson. Mmm, donuts. Okay. Uh, nothing's better, which is why we've invited Greg Mena in for uh, Taste and Talk of District Donuts, which just opened its fourth location. We're going to be talking to him soon. They have four locations. And she's back. Yay. Uh, Aglaia it's been a long time. Aglaia Cremezzi, she's a cookbook author. She's a food consultant. She's fun, too. Uh, she comes to D.C. every year to work with Chef Michael Costa and the Zitinia team. Uh, she's their chef partner and Greek grandmother, and uh, she helps them. And she just Greek. arrived. She, she just arrived, arrived last night, right? Mm-hmm. And she's uh, she and Michael's on his way from the airport. They're going to mm-hmm. be on the show later. So Bloomingdale's woman-owned Tiber Creek offers seasonal food and a curated wine program that apparently everybody loves because business <laughs> is booming. So <laughs> chef owner Jordan Stahl is in to tell us about this neighborhood restaurant success mm-hmm. and shook. We've had Ron in. Ron just had a baby last night. Uh, well, his wife had a baby. Oh, boy. You, <laughs> he was around for the baby, but he didn't have I've one. had five babies. And you, you haven't know, had a single baby. Uh, and I, I never felt a thing. Yep. Um, so uh, Shook's modern Israeli street food really has taken downtown D.C. by storm, and mm-hmm. we love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've just introduced a plant-based shawarma. I want to check that out. It's made from oyster mushrooms. I already had some. It's delicious. Ain't that ass thing. So mm-hmm. co-founder uh, Dennis Friedman's in to tell us about that. And uh, drum roll, please. Guinness has just opened, not just, but recently opened Nobody a did a drum roll. Not a single person. There we go. Opened Try a brewery it again. in Baltimore. Uh, Holly Stevenson and Ryan Wagner, who were on the industry night with us a week ago, two weeks ago, whatever, uh, are in with uh, not only to tell us about it, but we're going to be, we're already drinking Guinness. Is this stout? Yeah, this is the milk stout. Hubba this, hubba. Yeah. All right. So before we get into those guys, we're going to talk to Mitch Berliner, who's out at Central Farm Markets in this lovely... 20-degree weather. Mitch, yeah, are you there? Today. It's a nice day. It's, it's a, a nice day. day. So Mitch was at the French Embassy, too, last night. All the cool people were I know, there, but I we guess. didn't get to say goodbye I'm to you. I'm sorry, you guys, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I left uh, about 15 minutes early. You know, we got to get up early, get the market going. Sure. Stop so whining. Did you have fun? Did you hours. like it? It was so over the top. It I was thought so, unbelievable. too. Yeah, they did an amazing job. They did it 
just a perfect job. A perfect job. Great. All right, speaking perfect, of perfect, perfect jobs, tell us about the perfect job you're doing out at the market today. Yeah, what's happening today? What's happening at the well, markets? Uh, we've got our Mosaic Central Farm Market in Fairfax open year-round today, and they're open today, as well as the Bethesda Central Farm Market here in downtown Bethesda on the Bethesda Elementary School parking lot. Mm-hmm. I want to tell all your fans <clears throat> that we are the Super Bowl headquarters, and we've got everything for your tailgating delight. We have meats and poultry of every kind. You can make... You can grill it. You could do whatever. You can sous vide it. You can sous vide it. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I think there's a lot more fans from after last night. I can tell you that. Absolutely. No, that's a really barbecue. good point. You can really stock up at the markets for all your Super Bowl needs because you guys have such a variety of offerings there. Exactly. So we've got barbecue. We've got great salad offerings. We've got arugula. Are you taking notes? Kale, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. We've got meat crafters serve your guests all kind of 14 kinds of salamis and duck breast prosciutto. Right, your charcuterie kinds. plate is all set with all that. <laughs> You're the only American yeah. I know that says prosciutto correctly. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> These Jersey girls um, say prosciutto. I don't even know what that means. Practice. There you go. It's a lot of practice. I learned that at Hebrew school. So what about <laughs> tomatoes? You've got those. They're not hothouse. You've got those all-year-round tomatoes, too, that are actually good and tasty. Yes, we we um, have cherry tomatoes. Um, we'll have them uh, next week, and we have some that probably gone already. Some uh, tomatoes that were grown in dirt in the greenhouse, mm-hmm. and we've got again for your Super Bowl deeds. We've got all kinds of terrific dips, um, baba ganoush, and six different varieties of um, hummus, and I would suggest. To your listeners, we like to take cucumbers. We've got these beautiful Persian cucumbers Uh at the market year-round. Slice them. So instead of using chips, use sliced cucumbers. It sounds so healthy. No, it's smart. Not everybody's Uh using chips. And you want, if you're going to overdo, especially during Super Bowl, use veggies instead of chips. I think that totally makes sense. All right. So, Mitch, tell everybody which markets are open and what to do today. Yes, please. All right. Well, come on out and see us for your Super Bowl headquarters today and next week. We're open year-round in the Mosaic District in Fairfax, Virginia, and year-round in the downtown Bethesda on the parking lot of the Bethesda Elementary School. And you can find out everything at centralfarmmarkets.com. Great. Right. Thank you, Mitch. Thanks so much. Now let's talk Thank beer. You. We're going to talk beer now, Mitch. So <laughs> Holly Stevenson, our new best friend, Hi. <laughs> is the head brewer at the Guinness Open Gate Brewery and Barrel House in Baltimore. And she is also, let's get this out, you were named the 2019 Beer Person of the Year by Imbibe <laughs> Magazine. Congratulations. <clears throat> it's the country's only drinkable magazine. And <laughs> so congratulations. Was, it's a and nice surprise to start the new year. It is. It's a nice way to go. Um, so tell us a little bit about the brewery, because it opened, how long ago now? Like yeah, so we opened last August. Right. Um, we are the home of Guinness Blonde. Um uh, so that's the, the bar production brewery is that serves the the nation with Guinness Blonde. And we've had it, and it's real good. Mm. Thank you. And actually, what you have right now is the milk stout. So uh, on site, we also have a pilot brewery, a tap room, and restaurant. And we use the pilot brewery um, for airline pilots. Yeah. So they can fly <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, the cell phone that's, lot. Uh-huh. Yes. The BWI. 
Um, we're five minutes from the airport, though. Um, <laughs> That's frightening. <laughs> but yeah, this milk stout actually was developed on our pilot system, and it's going to be the first beer that we take national from that was born and born and bred in Baltimore. Well, I think you have to back up a little bit to explain to people that there's a Guinness brewery in Baltimore. I don't think people. Yeah, we'll under- get the whole story. We'll, I mean, we'll milk you for the whole story. Okay, I'm serious. Can you just give a little four on one so people have a good understanding? Because when people think of Guinness, they think it's made someplace else. Right. Yeah. So the Guinness Stout that you're kind of used to seeing with the nice fluffy nitro head, uh, that's still all made in Dublin. Um, but there were a lot of synergies uh, between Dublin and, and Baltimore, and Guinness uh, Diageo, uh, which is the company that Guinness is a part of, happened to own this. Awesome historic site in Baltimore, and it was perfect a perfect site to launch the American Brewery. So uh, we did that in August, and we're open to the public. We're about 15 minutes from downtown Baltimore, about five minutes from the airport. Uh, it's a quick lift ride or Uber ride. Um, it's just it's a great location, and we're very very happy to be a part of the Maryland brewing community. All right. Excellent. All right. So we're so going to keep coming back to you during right. the show for taste and more talk. And I feel like this is going to go really really well with donuts. Right. Absolutely. It's yeah. A this is it's a match. Yeah, it's a sweet stout. So right. it's, it's perfect for donuts. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> District Donuts, Greg, is mm-hmm. your pardon is mushrooming like crazy. You've got your fourth location. Why is it mushrooming? Why are your it's donuts, donuts? It's rising. <laughs> but it's rising. No, Thank it's you. Mushrooming. There we go. It's no, foodie in the yeast. Right. Foodie Pop-up. in the yeast. That's right. right. Sorry. I'm the comedian here, Greg. No. Sorry. Um, There's nothing funny so about that. What is it about your donuts that are, you know, I mean, there are donuts all over the okay, place. Wait. What makes it different? Let's start this differently. Why? Okay, no. because that's not how I want to go into it. I want to go into it. I want to talk who about. Who should I listen to? You should listen to. Okay. Yeah, I run the show. It's called Foodie and the Beast. So if you're going to go with somebody here, just no. saying. Got okay. It. I'm the one with the Go brains. with the chick. So. Donuts. You guys started how many years ago? 2012 was when you started the company. And what was it about the DC landscape that you were like, yeah, we need to do donuts? Uh, it was the fact that myself and one of the co-founders are from here, born and raised in the DC area. And mm-hmm. uh, we saw a, a dearth of donuts. There were no good donuts. And we thought- Oh my God, that's a gauntlet thrown, dude. We thought, you know, let's uh, let's do it. And at the mm-hmm. same there, there time- There are people out there hurrying to look up dearth. <laughs> sorry, I studied philosophy. It's a little so early in the morning that's for right. I was very Well, natural. your pulchritude is uh, yeah, incandescent, yeah. Craig. Very natural <laughs> fit uh, yeah. for donuts, uh-huh. but- uh, uh, no, I, our, the co-founders saw an opportunity there, and um, we uh, we said, let's do it. And at the same time, there were a, three or four others that had the same idea. Right. It was sort of yeah. like all of a sudden at v- once. Really just kind of a, an amazing thing. Yours are um, really pretty. But were you there, you got to see this on Facebook. Were there other donut shops like around the country that you guys went to? Like, Did you do some R&D to find out yes. what we want, the kind of texture, the creativity? Uh, absolutely. How did you go? And Because this is before... Like Instagram really took off, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. now you know people are stacking those donuts and taking pictures. Yeah. But I'm just laughing at the thought of two guys getting on a plane to go eat donuts. Well, so uh, I actually um, I, I was brought in one of my best friends, and he had met a pastry chef, and he said, "I just have an idea mm-hmm. of a better donut. That's it. Simple. Okay. It's a better donut that's beautiful, like a pastry chef would would design." Um, and that's a, a little Good shout out Campbell to Chef Christine. She's mm-hmm. one of the co-founders, and and so she actually said, this is not a good idea. I don't think we should start a company about donuts. (laughs) They're boring. They're old. Nobody does them in in a cool way. And and, uh, the other co-founder, Juan Pablo, one of my good friends in sixth grade, said, no, that's the idea. They'll be beautiful, and they'll be made with amazing ingredients, and they'll mm-hmm. taste like you would want Talk about a donut the different flavors and ingredients. Right. They're very pretty. Right. I mean, they are. Chef Christine is, is, is awesome, and now she's training such an awesome uh, family uh, uh, 
that district donut are bakers these, that are but let's talk about what kind of donuts you mm -hmm. do because there are there are varieties of donuts there are yeast donuts mm -hmm. cake donuts like all different yeah. kinds what are you guys doing so here? right now we are only doing yeast donuts okay uh, we've served cake donuts at different points throughout mm -hmm. our history mm -hmm. um and we're but we kind of we took it back uh we pulled it back and we're, we're kind of redesigning it and going to make something amazing. Um, but for the meantime, yeast donuts are, that's what we started with and that's our strength. Uh, okay. And we're, so every one of these donuts with all the, the variations in, in look and texture and, and taste, uh, they're all started from our dough and that's our secret. We mm -hmm. do a real, like a classic French uh, baking, you know, 24 hour uh, fermentation. Mm -hmm. So that's what's taking on the real amazing flavor. And so you'll start with a vanilla bean glaze. That's the simplest. Uh, that's kind of the, uh, we're, at, we're going right after Krispy Kreme with that one. Okay. Uh, it's actually got some some substance to it. It doesn't mm -hmm. just kind of melt. The brown butter, those two have been the Which most- Which one's the brown butter? Right here. Okay. Um, with the brown butter drizzle and cinnamon sugar. Mm -hmm. That's the most popular donut since the first day we opened our store almost okay. every well, day. anything called brown um, butter, I yeah, totally yeah. get that. that um, makes sense and then right me. next to it would be the, it's strawberry uh, jam. And well, we've been calling it the Sufgania. It's been served through Hanukkah and it was so popular that we just kept it You know, I sent it. To all my kids for Hanukkah. Oh, that's so cool. I was like, that's Thank such you. a great idea. Thank you. You didn't send it to me. No, I didn't send it to you. Well, she I'm said helping... all of her kids. Right. You're not Sorry. my kid. Yeah. I, but anyway. I mean, he acts like uh, my kid. But... <laughs> Um, and then from there, so those are a little bit more, you know, reminiscent of things that you'd see at, at traditional simple Okay. I don't shops. want you to walk through all of them, yeah. but there's three in a row because yeah. we have to take a break. Sure. The bacon. So that's maple bacon with a, a maple butter glaze and a delicious uh, bacon on mm -hmm. top. Um, and then probably the coolest one right now it's the brulee. is uh, actually creme brulee is, yeah, that's probably the coolest. We torch it for every customer to order. So that's a really neat part of uh, the experience. If you come to one of our shops, sure. every, every store, we, we torch that one to order. Cause it's just a, it's a personal and a chef uh, driven experience because right, we are a chef driven on company. The, yeah. Whatever that one is. What's the glazy? Oh, the, the dulce leche. Yes. So that's, that's probably the most popular of the fancier, uh, like richer flavors since okay. day one. And, and uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Sure. When we come back, we're going to get into savory. Delicious. Because that sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. uh, this is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're digging into donuts. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis talking to Greg Mena about district donuts and these works of uh, edible works of art. No, savory. Mm. Yum. That is so good. Yeah. So tell us, why savory donuts? I mean, now I know why, because I'm eating it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? It sounds like you got a baseball in your mouth. <laughs> what? It's so yummy. All right. Well, we just... That we sounds had... like jealousy, because somebody's not eating donuts. <laughs> we uh, we had... Don't remember, we're still married after the show. <laughs> Go ahead. We Greg, had please. questions, you know, customers will come in and say, do you have anything that's not sweet? And we kind of look at them and say, well... We are a, a donut, donut shop, shop. and uh, our our pastry chef. She's a classic, you know, Le Cordon Bleu patisserie and baking. So sweets are her are her uh, specialty. Mm -hmm. But so we said, look, let's come up with something. And she actually uh, handed that off to her head baker, kind of her right hand for uh, the last three years, named Tasha, mm -hmm. who's also a pastry chef, but she's a little more. Uh, she likes the savory. So Tasha just put her put her head down and and came up with an amazing recipe there. So we're just using the same dough. Uh, same donut, um, and uh, it's filled with a, a house made of whipped cream cheese, a chive and onion oh, cream cheese, God. really light it's and delicious. fluffy. Uh, and then it's just coated with an everything seasoning. And uh, people, it takes them a second sometimes to imagine a savory donut, a, a customer. Uh, but then when they actually try it, they're like, this is so cool because it's just lighter than it's a bagel. It's kind of it's what so, a bagel and cream cheese should taste like. That's what basically. we think. That's, so what, that's we what, think. what it tastes like yeah. to me. People just come in and, and just like, 
like one hand after the other. Yeah, once you can get them to to imagine a, a donut that's not sweet, and then they try it, they'll just it's it's you can throw that it's one back deal. really easily. Yeah. Okay, so you guys have four locations. Yes, ma'am. Where are they? Let's uh, tell First where one they are. Uh, is in Barracks Row. You gotta stop Street. calling me, ma'am. Yeah, it's that's what police upsetting. officers call. Me, seriously, ma'am, Sorry. you know okay. how fast you were going. I, I'm just. Uh, I just hope my mom's listening. She taught me good manners. Uh, okay. So Eighth Street, Barracks Row, and mm-hmm. then uh, the second one was Georgetown in Little Katie's Alley, Little Cobblestone Strip, right? Uh, street, and the third was the Wharf. We opened that in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing, like all glass building, just really, three, right? Really you guys, cool. You're down by like yep. uh, right near the, place the fish market. Yeah, right. Right near the historic fish market. And then last week. Wednesday, we opened uh, in Union Market, in the market, and that's just been awesome oh, to be a part be of that. Which is kind of funny yeah. because you would have thought that the place you would have opened first would have been Union Market, right? It, right? it really, because yeah. Because of the kind of yep. atmosphere of that place Yeah, we is. started in Union Kitchen, which right. is very nearby, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know it's perfect and an incubator for guys trying to, to try stuff out, but we're a little bit... Uh, aggressive and we just said we're opening a store we're gonna make in the store and, and that <laughs> we we're growing out of that pretty quickly so cool. um, all right yeah. lastly before we leave you you said you have a brand new donut on the menu yes you want to tell us about it yeah Sophia, the tiramisu can you get in on that please absolutely mm-hmm. so the tiramisu this is another one that uh that chef christine worked with uh her kind of right hand on tasha um and they developed so it's it's uh it's amazing it's filled with a you know a, a whipped cream uh and then it's a it's actually a mocha dough so it's a different dough than the other donuts so it's mm-hmm. an it's an espresso infused dough um and then it's it's got a mocha glaze um and it's dusted with cocoa powder i'm sorry you're uh, a drug dealer yeah <laughs> well you know trading in uh, sugar I, that's right i will not First comment one's free on this. everybody yeah. and then um but it's it's tiramisu but as a donut so okay just Excellent. give it a shot yeah All right, man. great okay tell everybody where they can find you please uh, so yeah our website districtdonut.com mm-hmm. um and then our social media it's both at dc donut d-o-u-g-h-n-u-t and just a quick plug our valentine's day uh promo coming up it was huge last year we're doing it again this year we're going to run it all week mm-hmm. um and we're going to partner with a local uh like our version, but but of flowers called Ash to Oak. They're an amazing young business that's like, they're about to explode, I think. Okay. Cool. Uh, we're doing flowers and donut delivery. Love the it. box of chocolates, only chocolate donuts. He's very a bunch enthusiastic. Of yeah. We got to move on, pal. Yeah. Sorry. Thank Sorry, you. Sorry, Thank that was you good. so much. Yeah. That was great. Holly, what are we drinking? Now yes. back to Guinness, this- Guinness and Donuts. It's a real dieter's Yeah, delight. so this is one of the beers we developed at the Brewery and Tap Room in Baltimore. It's the White Ale. It's actually a perfect pairing with the savory donut, I think, because nice. uh, it's kind of a classic recipe for for a white ale or a wit. But we Can you use imagine the Guinness what are we yeast. having for breakfast, honey? <laughs> Guinness and donuts, and right. it has it's actually brewed with coriander, lemon peel, and orange peel. It's really lovely. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's a about five really... percent alcohol, easy to drink. Yeah, yeah, it's really terrific. So, um, we were talking before when you went on before about the brewery in Baltimore, um, but Guinness is a whole brews in other places, right? Yeah, so I mean, Guinness has many breweries around the world, and, and each of those breweries is kind of embedded in their communities. So, um, you know, as Americans, we didn't have our own Guinness brewery, so we're just used to viewing Guinness as an import, and it's one kind of beer. Right. Um, whereas you go to other countries, and they're used to having their Guinness brewery. They have their own kind of Guinness that's made at that, and at their own breweries. And so that's kind of what we've, we're extending now to the U.S. I mean, the beer culture here is so exciting, so we're working on... A variety of beers that you can have at any given time at the tap room, 15 mm-hmm. or 20 taps that we brewed on our pilot system for the American palate to have fun drinking what we like to make. Excellent. Yeah. All right. All right great. So, we'll back to you in a bit. Jordan Stahl. Jordan's Hi, Jordan. the chef Hi. owner of, of uh, Tiber Creek in Bloomingdale. 
Yes. And we know Bloomingdale well. Our son Sam's the AGM at Red Hen. Oh, right, right across so, the street. Yeah, I didn't know that. The loudmouth. You probably met him. Okay. <laughs> um, so tell us your story because this, you know, and there are not that many woman-owned restaurants in this city, and hopefully a growing number. Right, doing, growing, yeah. doing it well. So what's your deal? Absolutely. So um, I opened Tiber Creek a little over a year and a half ago in Bloomingdale. Mm-hmm. It's a neighborhood wine bar. Uh, we have a wood-fired oven, so everything gets cooked in there. That's our only oven. Uh, but we don't focus on pizza. The restaurant before us was pizza, but we kept their oven and got creative. So I brought with me cast iron cinnamon rolls that were cooked in that oven. Mm-hmm. Uh, we roast meats, vegetables, really tried to keep it seasonal and fresh. Um, I, my background is business and wine, so... I always had a passion for hospitality and wine. Um, Greg asked me this morning, actually, why did you go into this business? And my answer is always insanity, as everyone can attest to in this room. Um, But the truth is, I just, I had a passion for it. I always, something I always wanted to do and decided to give it a shot. So, but what you've created is a real, neighborhood spots. So in DC right now, you know, you have these like massive restaurants, exactly. right? And massive, you know, like the wharf is a great example, totally. right? Like one destination mass- spots. Right. Destination spots. And sort of the the neighborhood restaurant is is it is. is a necessary item, especially when you have the growth of these neighborhoods. Absolutely. Right? Like Absolutely. Bloomingdale ten years ago, nobody knew where that was. Do you know right. what I mean? It wasn't an area as many people were living in, let alone sure. people were going to eat in. So providing a place like a wine bar for these neighborhoods is so important. Yeah, that's exactly what we thought. So um, I lived in D.C. for 13 years, mm-hmm. and what I always thought the dining scene here missed, was missing was neighborhood spots. Right, so, little places. Yeah, we have a ton of destination spots that are amazing. We have a ton of very specific spots, so whether that's you know a specific ethnicity of cuisine. or, mm-hmm. But we don't have places that you want to go time and time again, that you have family traditions of going there you know, once a week, or you mm-hmm. celebrate occasions there. Um, and you know they, that, that exists in smaller towns and cities, but not in D.C. So my goal was really to create a place that was a gathering spot um, Mm -hmm. in the neighborhood. And that's proven to be true. We have a ton of regulars that we love to see. We know all about their lives and their families, which is great. Mm -hmm. Of course, we love for people to come from all over the city. Mm -hmm. Um, But Bloomingdale, like you know, is is a pocket. It's a really tight-knit community, Mm -hmm. um, a very small business district, but a little, a mighty business district. There's some great spots over there, and we're happy to, you know, be amongst them. We have a patio that seats 45. Um, that That's has, big. Yeah, it's are you, huge. You're on the corner, right? Exactly. I know exactly where you are. Exactly. Okay. So we have heaters there, so it does extend the life of those. Um, but the summer, fall season is definitely our hot time um, mm-hmm. on the patio. Um, and yeah, we we just, we love being there. We have a, a wine list that we curate. We change a, at least four times a year as long, as well as a food menu. Well, let's talk about the wine yeah, list. Yeah, Because as a wine bar... Um, how challenging do you make your wine list? Because as a neighborhood bar, you sure. want people to be able to come and have a glass of wine. But how are you? How do you curate that list so that you're you have some challenging wines on there, but something that everybody knows? Sure, that is a challenge. So my general manager and myself both come from a wine background. She's also a woman, so we're mm-hmm. a woman managed and owned mm-hmm. business. And when we it's first... actually a lot of women in studio today, yeah. which is. I feel threatened. <laughs> you should. You should. But um, I, I feel threatened at home, too. <laughs> when we first uh, made the wine list, we wanted to get really geeky with it and put mm-hmm. on all this stuff that we thought was cool. And then when the customers came in, exactly what you said, they were, Where, what are, where's our Cabernet Sauvignon? What is right. this? We don't know this wine. Mm-hmm. And even though we do extensive training for our staff to say, oh, if you like this, you might like that. 
it was too much. So we scaled it back a mm-hmm. lot. And we've slowly edged into getting it geekier and geekier because now our customers trust us. I was going to say, it's all about building trust. Exactly. And we have those relationships now with so many of our customers. We also are happy to walk them through it, pour a glass, pour a taste of something. Mm -hmm. We do wine events about once a month where we do educate on new types of wine or different types of wine. Um, Two weeks ago, we did one on women winemakers. So we um, did five different women winemakers. That's one of the ones I brought with me today, a sparkling Mm -hmm. wine from two women in Italy. Um, and so we're always trying to educate our consumers and, you know, get them to engage with us because that's a great way to start a conversation, too, mm-hmm. um, on the wine. But it has been a little bit of a challenge to bring the neighborhood up to speed on, um, you know, what they should be drinking versus what they're just used yeah. to being. What drinking. about on the food side? Because absolutely otherwise so, you're gonna have a lot of drunks walking around <laughs> we do have a full wood not fired that there's menu. anything wrong with it no well, so, I, I can hear you saying responsible that. drinking mm-hmm. um and eating i brought with me today cinnamon rolls like i mentioned so we do offer brunch saturday and sunday and we make um house-made biscuits you know, i love cinnamon rolls with an effete pinot noir <laughs> <laughs> well our big thing at brunch Holly, is I bottomless rosette that seriously Holly likes me even okay. if you don't I, <laughs> We do bottomless rosé at brunch, and I will say that the rosé goes very well with the cinnamon rolls, so you'll have to give that a try. What kind of rosé? I'm just curious. Um, it's 100% Cinso from mm-hmm. France. We It's the one wine we've had on our menu since we opened. It's okay. very popular, so we keep it flowing. It's actually on tap in the restaurant. Cool. Well, you know, D.C. is the number one purveyor, I guess, of... Or seller. Of, like... More people drink rosé here. I see it than every anywhere day. in the United States. Every day, isn't that amazing? Yes, we opened, with plenty of reason. By yes, the way. <laughs> because it's delicious. We no, opened, no, beyond oh, that. Yes, well, beyond we opened that, in May, and we thought that it would just be a summer phenomenon. No, and it, it all is year round. round. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So no, it's amazing. Um, and then the other food we do everything wood fired, like I mentioned. So we'll do roast meats. Like right now, we have a delicious um, beef brisket that we cook during the day mm-hmm. at a, mm-hmm. a lower wood fired temperature before we bring that oven up to eight hundred degrees during service. We do wood roasted vegetables. Vegetables. We are happy to accommodate for gluten-free, vegetarian. You know, the neighborhood kind you of demands around that. around the neighborhood? Or? We do. We, um, we're on Uber Eats, but we also have a lot of, like I mentioned, regulars that will call in and, you know, just place an order. And, and come and pick up. Yeah, exactly. That's nice. Great. All it's right, nice make head. sure, tell everybody where Please, you are where on you the are. street and on the web. Absolutely. We are at 84 T Street in Bloomingdale, so the corner first in T. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't miss us. We have a beautiful wraparound patio. Right. Um, and you can find us on the internet at, at Tiber Creek DC. That's for uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Tiber Creek is spelled T-Y-B-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, and our website is also TiberCreekDC.com. Why did you name it Tiber Creek? So t- the Tiber Creek is actually a tributary of the Potomac that mm-hmm. used to run through D.C. They in that area. In, right. Yep, and now runs under D.C. So we thought it was a nice way to, you know, if we want to be a neighborhood kind of D.C., more institutional spot, name it after something historic in D.C. Great. And I just want to say, since Holly has laughed at absolutely everything I've said so far, you're a permanent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right, this is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Hi, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, we're having, uh, there's a lot of sugar in the studio and a lot of beer. Eat more sugar. So back to Holly Stevenson, who is the head brewer at the Guinness Brewery in Baltimore. Holly, it's more than that. It's a restaurant. It's a museum. You do open heart surgery, space launches, <laughs> everything from there. We're saving tell the us, world. Tell us yeah. more about the whole layout and what goes on there. Yeah, so we have a production brewery on site, obviously. That's kind of the anchor of the thing. But we have... Um, we have a full customer experience. So we have this gorgeous pilot brewery. Um, it's, so we have a three-floor building. The pilot brewery is on the bottom floor with some really cool artifacts from Dublin. 
The, uh, the middle floor, the, which is the main floor, houses the tap room and retail space. Um, you can get beer, food. We generally have about 15 Baltimore brewed beers on tap at any given time. Um, and then the top floor is the restaurant, which is open Thursday through Sunday. Oh, Ryan, you <laughs> want to get in on any of this? Or are you, are you, Ryan is the, what are you, the brand ambassador, right? Yeah, that'll do. Anything. Yeah, brewery also, ambassador, brand ambassador. <clears throat> he also announces the, uh, all the uh, home games for the Orioles. So he's got that voice. Also true. Give me that low baritone, baby. That, that's, that's all I got, especially this time of day. All right, so, I'm surrounded by sugar and so, booze. Yeah. Right, exactly. What else do you exactly. want to tell us about what goes on there? Yeah, it's it's an amazing space, and I and I think what uh, you know, in addition to all the things, all the bells and whistles, what we're proudest of is what Holly and her team have done. You know, we let the beer lead the way um, in the American craft beer industry. The way that it's set up right now, you you kind of have to. Uh, you know, if if we would have opened this beautiful building with all the artifacts and the restaurant and the tap room and all of that, and the beer wouldn't have lived up to it, it wouldn't have mattered. So, uh, you know, trusting in Holly, trusting in the beers that that she and her team create, um, that's that's what it's all about for us. And and they do they do an incredible job. Oh, you've got your wrap down. It's a good one yeah, too. The beer is the beer is great. What are we drinking? <laughs> well, what you. is this? So this is the Crosslands Pale Ale. This is a series um, of beers that you'll see on at the brewery, and it's made uh, something in the beer each time is going to be made from the, a Maryland ingredient. So in this case, the malt. So the backbone of the beer, and this one is a is Maryland malted beer from uh, Dark Cloud Malt House. Um, so we're very excited about that. We're actually for February, which is the whole month of February, sponsored by the Brewers Association of Maryland. We're going to release a Crosslands Honey Ale made with honey about three miles away from the brewery, where the hives are about three miles away from the brewery. And we're going to release it in cans um, and on draft at the brewery only um, on Valentine's Day. Nice. Very excited about that. We'll sp- yeah, thank you. So this is a, a slightly hoppy pale ale. Great. Thank yeah. you. All right. So now we're going to go... If I can hear from beer to Israeli street food. Anybody who's been to Israel or driven down toward Sinai or any of that knows they've got these great little stands where you have unbelievable hummus and tahini and you know all from fresh fresh vegetables and freshly baked breads and everything. Uh, and so Dennis Freeman, who hasn't recently had a baby, his. His partner Ron and his wife had a baby last night. I did have a baby a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah, but that's old stuff. Come on, man. I mean, you should be a pro by now. But anyways, Dennis is in. He's co-founder of Shook, uh, and um, you're introducing something new. It's it's plant-based shawarma. It is. It's plant-based shawarma. It's uh, we launched just a couple days ago, and people have just been going nuts over it. Well, let's give everybody. We brought you guys in when you first opened. You did. So let's give everybody a little background on Shook and the concept. So Shook, uh, we are a plant-based concept, uh, and we are trying to change the way people uh, think about food through food. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we don't promote that we're vegan. Um, we just put out really good food that's thoughtfully put put together, no soy product. And uh, it's been an amazing roller coaster, uh, but in a good way. It's mm-hmm. um, just you know things have been going so well, and the awards have come in. But the most important thing is that just eighty to ninety percent of our customers are not vegan or vegetarian. They're coming because the food. I do want to tell you that Sophia. My intern in here, she's vegan, and most shows she can't eat anything because she's vegan. So this is like the first show that she can eat something. She's watching me put my finger in the salad. <laughs> right. But look, Sophia. Um, 
But so when you guys first opened, what were some of the things on the menu? And like, how has that evolved? Because you're the chef behind the concept. So, you know, we started with a a very simple menu. Uh, Mm -hmm. Cauliflower was really our main dish. And, um, you know, we had about five or six dishes and it really kind of evolved from there. We've changed most of the menu since then. The cauliflower still remains. But, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, ever since the launch of the Shook Burger, things kind of really took off. The um, Shook Burger. Tell us about yeah. the Shook Burger. So the Shook Burger um, is our veggie burger. Uh, it was recently on the Food Network as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. It was uh, 15 different veggies and legumes put together, uh, held together by flaxseed, and uh, just people just took to it. They come from all over for it, and that kind of really changed the, the course of our business, and we really started then thinking more about R&D and, and how we can stay innovative and always one well, step ahead of the you game. Know, the thing about you know, plant-based foods in the past was that everybody, you know, and I'm, I'm included in that, everybody thought, oh my God, that is going to be so drab and so boring and so tasteless. And as long as you can do stuff like this, this is delicious. I mean, why well, not? That's that's the reason that, you know, we wanted to just put out good food and, and let people learn for themselves. But, you know, for example, with the shawarma, I mean, you know, you get that meat experience. You get that steak experience. Well, well that's let's the explain thing. it. So explain this to people so that they understand... What you're what you're doing? Because explain what shawarma is, the 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 physicality of it, and how you're replicating it. So shawarma is usually meat, chicken, or lamb cooked on a spit, slow cooked, and it rota- rotates around, and they shave it off slowly. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to recreate that. And to do that, you need to have some crunchy and and some moist pieces of meat. And uh, we did a lot of research, and we found that the oyster mushroom has all those properties we needed. We uh, we get the oyster mushrooms in, and we shred them. We peel them. um, We put our uh, special shawarma spice on it, Mm -hmm. and uh, we get a nice hard, quick sear on it. So it stays nice and juicy on the inside but crispy on the outside. Which I think for most people, like when you hear sear, sear does not relate to a vegetable because there's no fat. Correct. So how do you get a real sear on a vegetable? Don't you need some sort of fat to make that happen? We do. Uh, well, okay. first of all, the, the mushroom has a ton of moisture. But mm-hmm. second of all, we use a little bit of olive oil, um, but very little because we don't want it to be greasy. Just enough because shawarma does tend to be greasy and yeah. very. So we do give a little bit, but, you know, we mm-hmm. want to also be healthy. So it's just enough to get the cooking experience that we need out of it. Mm-hmm. But besides that, um, just let the. Did shawarma get more popular when Iron Man and. Uh... And um, Thor and everybody went they to a shawarma at place end. at the end of the Avengers meeting. Uh, I, th- I think movie. that might have had Does something to do with it. a little bit more of our movie watching <laughs> what we do at home. I'm an intellectual. <laughs> okay. Um, and so now you guys have two locations. Uh, well, we have two locations. Yep. We're uh, at Union Market on Morris Street and on uh, 6th and K. We also actually now uh, have a stall open inside Union Market where we're um, ever putting out whatever our new dish is, kind of doing like a test kitchen R&D. Oh, like a little lab. And then, yeah, playing with it uh, and then we're putting it into the stores from there. Um, you know, the, before this, uh, our most recent dish was the falafel, which uh, right now is taking DC by storm, which yeah. we're excited about. Which is kind of interesting because you can have really bad falafel. You can. So we're finding. Right. Right. So what is it about your falafel that, that makes it better. You know, we didn't do the falafel um, off the get-go when we opened, and mm-hmm. everybody wanted us to do it. And for about two and a half years, every day we heard it. And we didn't want to be labeled as a falafel shop. We wanted to be shook Smart. with our own identity. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as it went along, we said, okay, let's listen to the customers. I can't remember what shook means. It Does it mean eat? In Israel? It means market. Market. Same thing. Market. No. So, so, of course, you know, we we figured it was time, but we said if we're going to do it, we have to do it right. So we did a ton of R&D, months and months, trips to New York, all over, Mm -hmm. um, lots of blind taste testing with knowledgeable people. till we found that, you know, perfect crisp on the outside, nice and uh, soft on the inside where Mm -hmm. it doesn't dry out. Well, the first time you guys were on the show, 
I mean, the thing about eating a plant-based diet for, I'm a carnivore, you know, I mean, I'm an omnivore, but you need something to bite into. That's what makes this so good to me. Not the only chew. the flavor, but there, it's, there's a chew. It doesn't, it's not just mush that disappears. Texture. You know, I, I give credit to my, my partner, Ron, um, because, you know, he said no weird stuff, no pretend things. It's all just got to be pure vegetables, mm -hmm. thoughtfully put together. And so, you know, if you really push yourself, there's ways to do it. And that's why I think, you know, obviously the vegan movement is huge right now. But mm -hmm. uh, a testament of a great chef these days is what they can do with a vegetable. You guys do any cooking classes or anything like that? We don't, but we have absolutely thrown the idea around. And let me just ask you, because That's you mentioned um, earlier, you said no soy products. Correct. Why? Well, we want, we want nothing processed. Okay. So, you know, our food is really clean. Mm -hmm. and, and that makes the, the world of a difference. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. This is absolutely delicious. Tell everybody again where they can find your shops, please. So we're on 6 and K by the Convention Center, and mm -hmm. we're on uh, Moore Street by Union Market uh, in the Trader Joe's building. Mm -hmm. And as well, we have a small little pop-up going on inside Union Market right now. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Guys. Thanks right. for coming in so, and making yep. all this beautiful stuff. It's gorgeous. So it's it's not a stretch to say everybody pretty much knows Zaitinia, Jose Andres' great Greek restaurant mm -hmm. down in Penn Quarter. What they may not remember, and she's our regular annual guest, is Aglaia <laughs> Cremezi, who is a noted cookbook author and food consultant, uh, brought straight to us from Greece, mm -hmm. uh, has been consulting with Jose really since the beginning exactly. on making sure that the food is... The food, right? And uh, so she's in with us. Uh, Executive Chef Michael Costa's in right off the plane, fresh off the plane from, from Texas, from right? Texas. Oh. Greetings from Frisco, yes. <laughs> oh, from Frisco or Texas? Frisco, Frisco, te Frisco Texas. Howdy. Okay. Howdy, Michael. Howdy, north okay. of Dallas. Ma, how you doing? I'm um, doing well. So, what, what, first of all, let's do a little quick 411 on you, Aglaia, and just, you know. I just, I just arrived last night. And we're having a, a wonderful dinner tomorrow at Zaitinia uh, with foods from my very, very first book, which has been reissued now. Mm -hmm. It was, uh, before its time, it was one of the first Greek, I mean, actually the first big Greek food, uh, Greek food book that came out, The Foods of Greece. And it won me a Julia Child Award when it came out for the first that ain't book. That bad, your first book. <laughs> but it was out of my print. My first book still, still in a drawer at our house. <laughs> it's true. But it was out of print for a long time because it came out in the, in the, lay, in the, in the early 90s. Okay. So it was out of print for a long time. And now it's, it has been re, uh, reprinted. Mm -hmm. And we are doing recipes from, from that book. And actually, uh, Michael has chosen some recipes that I have almost forgotten about. Oh, how much so fun. So it will be very interesting interesting tomorrow because we we have quite a lot of different bites and meze mm -hmm. uh, that people will uh, will uh, uh, taste and I'm uh, really very very happy we're doing that I mean I'm rediscovering recipes that I have forgotten about well, actually before we pass over this dinner Passover uh, <laughs> uh, our tickets are still available correct I yes. Yeah, I right. so. Okay. so yeah okay we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to that at the sure. end but yes yeah, so but how did you hook up with Jose Oh, Jose, when, when Jose was about to start Zaitinia, long mm -hmm. before he started Zaitinia, mm -hmm. uh, we had a mutual friend. Uh, I mean, I didn't know Jose. I knew Mark Fersenberg. Oh, of course. And uh, and, Ma and Jose asked Mark, I mean, I, I want some Greek recipes. How can I find Greek recipes? And he said, you have to go see my friend Aglaia. So Jose uh, called me, I, I, I sent me an email, and he said, I'm coming to Athens to see you. I said, I'm not in Athens. I'm <laughs> on an island. I said, what island? I said, Kea. Oh, I don't know that island. Where is it? Where well, it's very close to Athens, but people don't know it's 
kind of like the best kept secret. And that's where I live. How far is it from Corfu? Uh, quite far. It's on yeah. the other side. Oh, wow. It's okay. very, it's very close. It's we only one you. hour. So, 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 uh, Jose, came, he said, "I come to the to, to, to care." Uh, how do we meet? He said, "Well, I come off uh, the uh, uh, the ferry. Uh, I look like an American, but I'm not an American. I'm just funny. You can't mess up." <laughs> so he came now, and we hooked up, and we uh, we cooked together, and it was the first. He had one of the first. That was years ago, mm-hmm. and he had one of the first I- iPhones, and he had all these wonderful pictures of the th- dishes that he was imagining of doing. It was like. I've never seen anybody dream of food the way Jose has, and still I haven't seen of anybody. All right, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, Michael will talk about how you all are um, collaborating and what that's like. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a minute. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Very briefly, you know, Super Bowl Sunday's rolling around. Get everything you need at the market at River Falls in Potomac. Mm Mm-hmm. Ivy City Smokehouse, great, they have smoke great smoked fish. fish platters. Absolutely. Uh, don't forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we're talking to Aglaia Cremezi, who is a famous, famous right. Julia Child <laughs> Award winning cookbook author from Greece. Michael Costa, executive chef at Zaitinia, about not just about the work you've done with Jose, but about this fabulous dinner that's tomorrow night. Well, so, Michael. I don't. I I can't remember if you've been on the show before or not. But so let's just get a little four one one on you. How long have you been at Satinia? Uh, yeah, I've been the, the the head chef of that restaurant for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the uh, best job I've ever had. I mean, Jose's a great guy. Very easy mission to get behind. You I'm know, sure we've he's been listening. You heard that? Yes. You got well, Jose, write it I mean, down. <laughs> yeah, we've we've been giving away three hundred chicken shawarmas a day for the last month to the the federal workers. So I've pretty much been I'm a plat- volunteering top on Tuesday. Cook for, I'll be yeah, there on cool. Tuesday. Good. Mm-hmm. Um. So. This dinner that you're doing together, what's it like as a chef, given the kind of menu that you have mm-hmm. and that you've been working with for eight years? How do you collaborate with somebody else? So uh, Zatina is actually the, the collaborative work of, of a lot of people. And Aglaia has obviously had a huge influence on the menu. What's special about a, a menu like tomorrow is that we're going to be doing the classic thing the classic way, exactly like you would see it in Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes we'll then take it in a new direction. We may use a different you know, product, one that's like local here, or a fresh one where a dry one will be used. Sometimes we'll kind of improve a dish. Sometimes we just end up serving the classic thing the classic way. A good example would be the dolmatis that are in front of you. That mm-hmm. is a very traditional Lenten grape leaf done exactly the way you if would see it, it in Greece. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. That's an old Greek saying. <laughs> Plato said that originally. Maybe it, no, I think it was Pluto. That's <laughs> what he said. Pluto dog. Mm. You all are going to make my life so difficult if you keep laughing at his jokes. That's right. I'm going to um, torture yeah. her all afternoon. So, so what are some of the collabs that you've done where you're using, like, because you have where Zatina is, you walk out your door and every Thursday you have Fresh Farm Market. So you have all this yeah. fabulous product yeah. available to you. How do you incorporate some of that into some of the dishes? Yeah, I mean, a great example would be harissa. Uh, cl- classically, it would be done with dried chilies. We use um, in-season fresh local uh, chilies from, mm-hmm. uh, there's this incredible farmer that we work with. Uh, at Mountain View Farms, and he gives us CVV uh, bear, which is not something that you can see very often, but something you'll actually see in Greece from time to time, and mm-hmm. we'll uh, make a harissa or a zug sauce from that. So um, that you also see, um, like an example would be our pork belly dish on the menu right now. It starts with a very traditional fasolakia, like you would see in Greece with black-eyed peas. They'd use dried ones. We have uh, we can get IQF ones, which are much fresher, much uh, closer to being right out of the ground, so we'll use those in, in place. 
Um, in the last eight years, how has the menu? Because Zatina, it's one of the like. It's been around like twelve been, years, hasn't it? More than that. Uh, yeah, we're 15? actually on on sixteen right wow. now. I was going to yeah. say, yeah, yeah. because yeah. Christopher Vasquez was the GM there yep. when you guys opened. That's very early days. I yeah. know. I remember. It's a very different place back yes, then. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So. As you took over the kitchen, how has the kitchen evolved? Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to talk in terms of we because, you know, we have the R&D team. We have Jose. We have Aglaya. So I, I don't mm-hmm. really think of anything in terms of I, me, or mine. Mm-hmm. So if you think about cooking, most of the best of what anybody does is something that's been taught to them by somebody else. There's a lot of inherited knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of my personal influence on the menu, the, the vegetable category is a lot bigger than it used to be. Uh, the food is uh, maybe plated in a little more sophisticated way than it might have been before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the menu's gotten a bit larger as well. Because uh, as we develop new things, we kind of get in trouble for taking away old things. So we end up just kind of right, cause you have such a growing following. over time. Well, know? so we, on our other show, Industry Night, we had the whole crew from Lebanese Taverna in studio. Awesome. Yeah. And apparently the hummus that was originally on the Sotinia menu yep. was called Lebanese Taverna yep. hummus. Yep. And one of the things we were talking about was when Zatina opened, you were really the first restaurant concept to feature wines from Greece, uh, Lebanon, Mm -hmm. you know, real wines that people really did not know. Turkey, I mean, Hungary, like you had wines that nobody knew about at all. Not Hungary, but Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? So she is hungry. Right. Right. Just eat the grape leaves, which are delicious. Yeah, we wear that mantle proudly. We're really excited about uh, introducing not just D.C., but the country to to, to a lot of these wines that people mm-hmm. simply aren't familiar with. I was having a, a tasting menu experience at John George a couple of years ago, and two of the wines, one was an Assyrtico from Yea, mm-hmm. the other was a Mavro Tragano, which, you know, you, you don't really see those wines in fancy French restaurants, but now you do. Right. No, absolutely. Right. You started a trend. <laughs> so right, at yeah. this dinner, will you be serving? What will yeah, the wines be? Yeah. Uh, we uh, actually chose to serve a beer with one of the courses because yeah. there was artichoke and, and that can mm-hmm. can be murder for a wine. Uh, mm-hmm. But we obviously there'll be a Sirtico, there'll be, um, let's see, what's the Zinomabro. other one? Zinomabro. Zinomabro. Yeah, there'll be a Samos Muscat yes. mm-hmm. uh, with, mm-hmm. with the dessert. So All right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we have to wrap, but tell everybody how to get their tickets, where Please. to go online. Uh, Zaytina.com, there's a link to the Eventbrite site. It's an all-inclusive price, a very easy thing. You just... Pay for your ticket in advance, show up, have a good time, and go home. You don't have How to sign anything. How many courses is the dinner? Uh, it's going to be 15 dishes all together, served oh, in four yeah, waves. So, so come it's, hungry. It'll be an evening. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, welcome back. Come every year, Thank you okay? very much. Yes, yes, right. yes, absolutely. All right, Holly, where's Holly? Hi. All right, so, and Ryan. <laughs> oh, and Ryan. Yeah, tell us about uh, St. Patrick's Day because that's take huge. This one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, we're very excited for our first St. Patrick's Day uh, as currently situated um so our, our new brewery will be celebrating its first saint patrick's day it's on sunday this year so we have an entire weekend of festivities planned mm-hmm. uh we're going to be selling tickets part of which will be donated to uh, uh to charity uh, we're working with a couple of local charities um as yet unnamed i think um but uh you can purchase tickets online at guinnessbrewerybaltimore.com for uh one of two sessions on each saturday or sunday we've got some great local bands showing up including one of my favorites who's a dc uh a dc favorite 19th street band uh, which a lot of people may be familiar with. They'll be there Saturday night. Um, so we're uh, we're just looking forward to having a great time, raising some money for a great cause, and and seeing how many people we can get in there. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at Guinness Brewery US. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can follow along there for details and uh, come and come and hang out, man. We I yeah, got here I wanna, today from the brewery in about thirty five minutes. Band. Okay, yeah. Holly, what did you pour? Seventy for us? year old white guys. What, fabulous. <laughs> what is this? This is Guinness IPA. So this is literally one of the first beers that we brewed on the pilot system. 
and easily one of my favorite. If I only have one beer a day, I, I could it could be this, and I would be very happy. This is sweet. Wait, yeah, is it, so it's, it's a classic West Coast IPA because that's kind of how I grew up. Um, this one? You know, yeah, this at one. Stone Brewing out in San yeah, Diego. Okay. It's the yeah. There you go. So you're gonna have a really big tropical and piney nose. Um, it's gonna be bitter and and fruity on the on the palate. Mm, that's delicious. It's bitter and fruity on my palate. It's good. <laughs> now, for so you brought all these beers in today, but for people who are like, wait a second, where is Guinness? Yes. Do you like because they don't understand that Guinness makes a variety of beers? Yes. Where do you pour the stout? We do pour the stout. So on on when you come into the tap room, you'll see that we usually have three or four beers that are made in Dublin, mm-hmm. and then we'll have fifteen or twenty that are made in Baltimore. So mm. uh, we really go to a lot of effort to keep the list really diverse. So there's always something for everyone. And we're constantly rotating uh, different types of beer. So on any given week, you're going to have two or three totally different beers to try if you've had them all already. All right, great. Well, thank you so much. Tell everybody where we can find the brewery. The brewery is in Halethorpe, Maryland. It's about five minutes from BWI. It's about 35 minutes from here. And it is about 15 minutes from uh, uh, south of Baltimore downtown. Now we got to wrap up, but quickly, if I want to book a tour, do I just show up? Uh, it's it's going to be tough. We uh, we open that window sixty days in advance, so the best way to book a tour, make sure you give yourself plenty of time and uh, and go online guinnessbrewerybaltimore.com. Lots of information on tours. You can book them there, and you can also visit uh, the reservation link for the restaurant too if you want to swing by and, and check out the restaurant. Driver, excellent, sure. absolutely. Right, Thank you so much. All right, thanks. So. Thanks, guys. That's it. Everything you heard about on the show today, you can find on Nikki's website, thelistareyouonit.com. Mm-hmm. Follow her every Thursday at 1240 on WTOP. Also true. On Twitter, on Instagram. Where else? Facebook. Oh, on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't follow me anywhere because I don't do that stuff. He doesn't do right? it. But um, also don't forget that we have a second show at the Line Hotel called Industry Night. Uh, we'll be live there tomorrow at 5 p.m. And we'll be doing a whole thing on Virginia wines and how uh, climate change is really affecting what's going on with the wines in Virginia. We'll have uh, Jordan Harris from Terrera Winery coming in. This was not a good year for Virginia wines given the massive amounts of rain. So we'll right. be going a deep dive into that. We should mention all those shows. Are po- all our shows here are podcasted. Mm-hmm. You can find them on federalnewsradio.com, but we're also on iTunes under Foodie and the Beast, and the shows from the Line Hotel are on uh, under uh, Industry Night with Foodie and the Beast. Mm-hmm. So, wow, well, you can listen radio. 24-7. You can just listen. We have 11 years of shows. we a lot shows. going on. My exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I like to listen to me all the time. Okay. Well, we want to thank everybody in studio for joining us today. This was a fabulous show. Lots Yay. of great food and drink and uh, lots of good eats to have. So we thank you for joining us today. Everybody, please have a delicious week. 